Hey y'all, part three of the Wednesday, June 22nd, 2022 edition here on the Chase Most Podcast coming up in just one second here on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Yeah, go check out all the other great programs all across our great network here at Blue Wire Pods. Uh, we got Insight with Chris Van Vliet. We got uh, The Long Shot with the Miami Heat's guard, Duncan Robinson. We got uh, former uh, UVA defensive end, uh, Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl champion, Chris Long for Greenlight. We've got uh, Spinsters with Haley O'Shaughnessy and Jordan Liggins. We've got uh, all kinds of great shows all across the Blue Wire Pod Network, so go check all those out today. If you have not already done so, uh, just growing and growing, keeping this thing moving here on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Um, the, uh, but yeah, there you go. Uh, part three coming up in just one second with Fangraphs John Taylor as he comes on at this time every single week to talk all things Major League Baseball. We talk about the Yankees and their blistering start, 50 and 17. Uh, their series with the Rays this week, what we've learned from both progr- programs. I, I watch a lot of high school and college football, obviously. Uh, teams, uh, we talk about the Orioles who have had a better than suspected season. O'Neill Cruz being an awesome, awesome summer edition in Pittsburgh. Uh, we talk about Lorenzo Kane, if this is it, after getting DFA'd by the Milwaukee Brewers. And then, of course, uh, we have some uh, some more stuff on Major League Baseball, MLB All-Star Ballots, all that and more uh, with John Taylor of Fangraphs.com. Go be a, a Fangraphs subscriber today if you have not already done so. It's a great website, best baseball coverage for your buck. Just go check it out. Become a subscriber today and member and uh yeah fangraphs.com uh part three uh don't forget you can watch this very program on youtube.com slash chase thomas podcast like and subscribe check out all of our stuff there uh you can tweet at me at chase double underscore thomas like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer and then as always mailbag any questions you have for me chase thomas podcast at gmail.com check out the homepage chase thomas podcast.com and then of course read all my sports writing wrote a, a new piece yesterday on uh, Colquitt and Valdosta and uh, an unbelievable game from 2021. So I did some film study there and uh, really parsed through what happened in that one and what made that game so chaotic and fun and everything that I love about high school football. So check that out, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Type your email, become a subscriber today. If you have not already done so, it's well worth it. Uh, and I'm just a little bit biased there. Uh, all right, part three, wrapping up here on a Wednesday Thank you, as always, for making the Chase Most Podcast here on the Blue Wire Pod Network, part of your daily listen. New content every day here on this feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, the Chase Thomas Podcast is there. Thank you, as always, and uh, I will talk to you all soon. Why am I doing the outro as I'm wrapping up this intro? I don't know. It's because I record these late. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, welcome back to the Chase Thomas podcast. Taping this late on a Tuesday with John Taylor of Fangraphs.com. John, good evening, sir. How are you? I am doing well. How about yourself? Not too bad, my friend. Not too bad. How was your weekend? I saw you out the other day. On Instagram because we're Instagram pals as well. Yeah, and went out to uh, went to the Liberty game on Sunday. Got to watch Sue Bird's last game in New York. It was very cool. Was that it? Yeah, because Seattle was playing New York, uh, and this is the Sue Bird retirement tour. Yes. Yeah. So it was very cool. She hit the last. She hit her last shot of the game, mm-hmm. a three pointer that bounced in and out, which was cool. Okay. Uh, she dropped a bing bong in the post game interview because we were at Barclays Center. So yeah. just to rile up the Nets fans. Um, it was great. It was cool. I uh, also got to watch uh, Sabrina Ionesco do her thing. She is so good. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a good time at the a good time at the WNBA. There you go. How is Barclays? Do you have you been to Mark Barclays and MSG? Do you have a preference? I, so this is I'd been to Barclays before, but for a concert. This is my first time there for a sporting event. I mm-hmm. think. Um, granted, I had really good seats. Um, Definitely a cool. I mean, I, I think the probably true for any basketball arena is the better your seats are, the better your experience is going to be. It's probably true for most every sporting event, but like basketball in particular feels like one of those where it's like you really don't want nosebleed seats in a basketball game. Like, yeah, you really cannot like the the. the I think football is the, the worst. There's no point in going to a football game where if you have a bad view, I will never understand that to the end of the yeah. Time. Like, at, that's at, a, le- 
at least with baseball, there is... You can I feel tell. Like, yeah, baseball, I feel like, is one of those sports where your view... It matters, but it probably matters the least. I would agree with that. If only because a lot of the really, quote-unquote, good seats to me are always like, but that's not even the best angle to watch the baseball game. Right. Like, Wait, sitting, where's your favorite place in the ballpark? Favorite place is probably the like usually it's a level three or four hundred in most stadiums the Mm -hmm. overhang right behind home plate uh Mm. really big fan of that one yeah or something kind of in the kind of going i i try to get as close to home plate as i can Hmm. um just for optimal angle purposes i mean there's a reason every press box or every most every press box in major league baseball is uh behind is above and behind home plate yeah um so i usually try to stick with something around that area like i i don't like sitting in the outfield bleachers for example like I just yeah i'm not an outfield guy that's the one area i won't really i won't really partake in i'm a third base guy like third third baseline is is, i I think the best i I think i can see the most and it's also like you get a good view of the pitcher and what he's throwing i don't know i like i like that view the most yeah being being along the lines is cool uh i try to get you know like i said behind home plate but you know Mm. up so you also have the angle coming down right um yeah, those are, I'd say, but I'd say, yeah, Barclays is a perfectly fine place to watch a basketball game if you'd like to watch basketball. I've just never been able to go because Nets tickets are always a trillion dollars, although... Are they really? I, is it, I are guess they more expensive Kyrie than the leaves, Knicks? that might change. <laughs> well, well Katie's Barclays there, only yeah. holds like 18,000 people, I think. It's a really small arena. Uh-huh. Um, and the i mean this was also like i mean you could go to early nets games when they moved to barclays for like zero dollars because nobody cared but once they became the i mean first the paul pierce kg whatever nets uh for that brief period of time duran williams Mm -hmm. and then again when they became the durant Kyrie nets uh tickets are pretty much impossible to get so that's interesting yeah um yeah i'm kind of concerned that's like one of the problems with tennessee uh becoming an everything school and being good at everything again is uh they're good at everything now and now uh everything gets more expensive john taylor uh prices go up uh no one wants to see a loser which is pretty awesome if you're local because you can just uh sneak in and go in whenever you want because i'm not a press box press box guy like i'll i'll always turn those down Uh, i have no interest you're not part of the media elite i'm definitely not part of that i also just don't want to because i think i'll get kicked out pretty early on yeah like, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely don't go in the press box if you have any kind of rooting interest whatsoever. exactly like pe- like i'll just be obnoxious pretty early on like you can't I, just yeah. i did a i did a yankees one of the first game of the sorry the first two games of the of the 2018 division series between the yankees and the red sox that was oh, no. way uh for sports illustrator and I, I kept it together i was very professional you know no rooting in the press box or anything mm-hmm. but definitely during game one which the red sox won but narrowly and the bullpen was extremely bend but do not break there were a number of times where i was just like gripping the table or desk or whatever that i was sitting at just like squeezing it because i was like if i i am like on the verge of just screaming out loud mm-hmm. because of what this game is doing my blood pressure so but see, I want yeah. you to be able to do that, John. Like, you should have been able to do that. You could have covered I the game the same I, way. I wish I'd just t- taken an inning and just snuck out and, yeah. like, found myself a seat somehow or just stood in, like, one of the SRO areas and just spent a whole a whole inning screaming. That, that would have been better, I think. I mean, you could have just been like, hey, Jason Stark, what's up? Let's go! Bo I mean, Sox by 90. Yes, yeah. but... <laughs> Yeah, no, it wouldn't go well, because I would just uh, turn and, like, for, like, the Kentucky series or something, be like, oh, man, I the stuff that I would say. It's just, uh, it would not go well, John. The the trolling and the egging, especially this particular season, like, with Tennessee's baseball season, like, just another dinger, like, the level of not obnoxious. You'd be losing it the whole time. Yeah, like, just losing it the whole time. Um, so that's just not why I go to sporting events. Like, if I'm going to be there, I just want to be around the crowd and the energy and be able to react how I want to react. And you also just hear all kinds of crazy shit that you will never hear in the press box like i love listening to crazy fans and what they say and just the it it just everything about it like it's just not why i go to the games i i never i made that decision a long time ago it's that like i will never want to do press box stuff i don't want the media passes i could understand that i mean i i definitely prefer watching a baseball game not from the press box Mm. uh when possible but you know, if nothing else, the press box is a very, very good view, nine times yeah. out of ten. 
just also, it, hey if you want to put me in the press box then i want you to sign a waiver that i'm allowed to do whatever i want in said press. well then it's you like, just have to you have to become a soccer reporter so that mm-hmm. you can go to the world cup and cover your national team and just act like a jackass the entire time that's another opportunity for me yeah yeah i've i've been told that uh the non-us journalists who cover the world cup have no compunctions whatsoever about rooting for or against teams from within the press box. See, that's what we want. I want like fights in the press box. I want there, like... there again. Like talk to any talk to any soccer journalist who's covered more than who's covered a World Cup, and they'll tell you it's like, yeah, that's probably almost happened a few times. There you go. It's like because a lot of the journalists there are not you know journalists. They're just they're there for very team friendly or country-friendly publication, or even stuff like the European press, who's just very openly, like, rooting for their particular teams or other such things. Like, America, American journalism is really one of... American sports journalism, I think, might be one of the only ones where you go to the press box and the expectation is you do not you do not cheer, you do not... It's like you are there to do your job, whereas in the European yeah. press box, it just feels like, eh, whatever, we don't care. Exactly. That's what we want. Let's bring that over here. Um, that is what we want, John Taylor. Um, well, so another thing we want is our national pastime update. So are you ready for what happened today? Always. Okay. This is Tuesday, June 21st, folks. So, quote, at Cleveland Stadium, Cesar Gar- uh, Gutierrez goes seven for seven, including six singles and a double in Detroit's 9-8 victory over the Indians in 12 innings. The 27-year-old Venezuelan shortstop will finish his brief Four-year major league career with a 235 lifetime batting average. How many people, John, would you guess like has gone seven for seven, and none of them be home runs or triples, and six of them being single? Like that has to be a one-time only stat line. I had no idea that I had no idea that there was a seven for seven game out there. I thought the major league high was six for six. See, there we go. I saw that and it blew my mind. This happened in 1970. That's. Kind of amazing. Like I, I was wondering what year it had happened because I was like, this yeah. definitely hasn't happened anytime recently. Although for a minute there, when you said Cesar Gutierrez, I was like, Cesar Hernandez. I just mm. in my mind, it's just the same player. Um, yeah, I. That is a really good question. Like again, no idea that a seven for seven was a thing that existed, but I can't imagine there are too many guys who've gone to a plate seven times, collected seven hits, and not one of them has been a home run somehow. Right? Who do you think is the most like seven for seven non home run uh, hitter in today's game? Who would you say it is? Luis Arias. Okay. Yeah. I don't hate that. I would say like Nick Madrigal or something. like a really high... I would say Madrigal, but he's just not a good hit. He doesn't have enough... He doesn't put any authority on the ball. What about Canna? Sorry? What about Canna? Uh, Canna will take... Canna... The thing is, you need a guy who is extremely contact proficient and who swings all the time without missing. Hmm. Or if not all the time, at least swings a lot so they don't take walks, but they also don't strike out a lot. And that's pretty much Luis Arias to a T. Hmm. Super high contact, doesn't take walks, doesn't strike out, actually has some power in his bat. Like a guy like Madrigal or I think a, Stephen Kwan, who had a 5-for-5 five five game yeah. uh, toward the beginning of the season. What's with like Cleveland? It's just a Cleveland thing. <laughs> their problem is, too, is like if they I – mean, I think that Stephen Kwan 5-for-5 five five was like four singles and a double. Like those guys mm. are just uh, punch and Judy hitters. Like – Arias has some actual a little bit of thump like I think he could go like five for five or six or six and like two or three of them would be extra base hits mm-hmm. um, but I he just doesn't have a ton of over the fence power so I think he'd probably be the best bet for that I like it um, John so I'm starting my like now that college baseball is over for me and I can really outside of just watching the Braves like watch a lot more of a team and uh, really ingratiate myself in the actual action of Major League Baseball in the heart of summer. Um, each week, I am going to, uh, like, I, I spend time with one particular team along with uh, the Braves. So this week, I want to start with the Yankees, who are 50 and 17, um, best start since 98. Like, they're an absolute powerhouse. But, you, like, you watch the numbers, you watch the clips, you, you see what you want to see, and you check in on certain guys and um, their bats and how the pitching staff's uh, looking and all that kind of stuff. But, it's different when you watch them night in, night out, and see what uh, the, how this team is feeling and how they look and everything else. John, they're the Tennessee baseball team from this spring. That was something I, I really wrote down. I hope so, because that means they're going to lose in like the first round. Oh, wow. That's okay, John. Okay. That part wasn't necessary. Um, I'm sorry. It was right I didn't there. expect to catch that stray uh, on, this, on this front. John? At um, least you got Tennessee 
football? What's coming we do. up now? Football? Well, Carnell Tate didn't commit five star. He I don't, he stated. I don't know what that means. <laughs> None of those words are in the Bible. So. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, someone actually sent me. Uh, I won't reveal who, but there's a a guy who tweet who sent me a message um, about like my pod, and he was like, "I checked out your stuff," and he said something like, "You're an animal. Like, how do you attack uh, all the different statements?" And it, it just cracked me up. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but it was just something to the effect of, "You're an animal. How do you attack all of those different things?" Um, I wonder how many people do that when they check out you and I and all the other different shows. They're like. What the hell does this dude not talk about? Like, what is? Uh, what, don't you? Like, what? I I think soccer and I ha- I have soccer on this week. There you go. Look at that. MLS or MLS? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Talk some Atlanta United. Yeah, absolutely. It's my yeah. dad's favorite. My dad played soccer in college. So there you go. You got you got all the major North Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, you got trying to get more into golf. I do even do NASCAR. Um, uh, I cover. Man, I hit it. Like I look. I. I am an all gas a, no brakes kind of guy. Do you have a do you have a WNBA segment? Not yet. That will be that is something I need to add. That is something I need to add. Yeah, it's a it's it's a it is a quality league with a quality product. I greatly enjoyed my WNBA. That was I think that's the only the second WNBA game I've ever been to and the fr- the one the one I'd been to previous was 10 years earlier. So mm. There you go. It's like a, it's like a time travel machine. Um yeah, so yes, the Yankees, they are there was something about the Yankees. Oh, yeah, the Tennessee baseball team. Um, the reason I bring that up and, like, watching them, I don't know how many Yankees games that you've watched this year, like, from start to finish. But, like, Un- unfortunately, just to, and just to make it yeah. so people know, like, very, very few because, if any, because I live in New York City, but I blacked do not out. have cable, so I am blacked out on streaming because the Yankees are completely unavailable without a without a terrestrial or satellite cable package. So you can't do it on MLB TV. Nope. They're blacked and... out on MLB TV. They have no streaming package available except for cable subscribers. The only games I'm able to watch, and I haven't actually caught any of them yet, are the games yeah. they play on Amazon Prime. Interesting. Well, there you is... can get MLB TV through Amazon Prime. That's yeah, how actually, I, I should... What I said... Um, they're not available via streaming. That includes all the live streaming TV packages. YouTube TV, Hulu... The Yankees what? have no deal with any of them because Sinclair, which owns Yes Network, yeah. wants an absurd amount of money for rights. That's I used to have YouTube TV pretty much entirely just to watch the Yankees and Mets. Yeah. But once they dropped Yes Network, it was like, well, I don't really What's understand the point? the point of this of paying $65 a month for a single baseball team when I feel like it. So I, I actually have been able to watch very, very little Yankees baseball this year, um, despite being in New York because baseball, because Major League Baseball is a poorly run product. That's ridiculous. I remember during like the they they're mentioning it on the the Field of Dreams game last year where like Iowa fans can't watch yes, Chicago Iowa fans where you're like you're having the game of... in a place where the people in that state can't watch said game. On any given game or any given night rather, Iowa fans are blacked out from anywhere to are blacked out of anywhere from a quarter to a third of all of all televised games because of how many different teams can theoretically claim Iowa as part right. of their television market. That's insane. Which like, is also absurd because it's like, you know, on the one hand, like teams like the, like, yeah, the Cubs have their AAA team in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Like the Cardinals are, are, I think, right next door. Like, but on the other hand, when it gets to stuff like, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the I'm White sure like Sox Minnesota too, and like, Detroit, Detroit and Minnesota, and, yeah. it's like, what are we doing? Like, you really cannot tell me that if you're a Minnesota Twins fan living in Iowa, that there is somehow some way to watch the Twins simply through cable. Mm. unless you buy uh the extra innings package it, so it's it's uh, there's a, there's a this lot should be very... to be said about the way baseball does its streaming so i was actually kind of mildly optimistic that at a i think there was a recent owners gm meeting or owners uh commissioner meeting or coming out of it rob manfred said that they are i i think that in particular they are probably just deeply frustrated with the way the cable networks operate and are probably, I think even MLB now can see that um, streaming may be a bubble. Yeah. In fact, is almost certainly a bubble, but that RSNs and uh, just terrestrial cable on its own is just not really the way forward in any capacity. I do think we're probably going to get to a point in the semi-near future where baseball just launches its own in-house streaming program that just does, it's MLB TV, but with no blackout restrictions, they'll probably just charge you more. Uh, to watch. I think most fans would take that. I would, I would, I would pay. It's it's frustrating, and it should not be the case. But if 
you have to pay if the if the solution is we charge you a little bit more to be able to watch the home games to make up for whatever RSN fine okay whatever it's like I I prefer being able to watch them than not being able to watch them at all with literally no recourse unless I sign up for a hundred dollar a month cable package. Yeah, I'm interested to see how it works for MLS. Like because MLS has gone straight Apple TV starting next year, yeah. and it's Wednesday and Saturday only. So they're going appointment viewing only, which I think is a huge win. And then um, all on one network. So that's like one of those things where I think that will help in terms of getting more MLS fans to watch other teams beside their own. Like if you put all the MLB teams on one app and there's no blackout restrictions, if you want to help it not be as much of a regional sport as it's become, I think that's a way to do that where it's easy to flip and have like multiple screens on at once and watch different teams while you're watching your team. Like, that is something that I think would help in that regard. So, folks, even from the West Coast or the East Coast, you're, like, watch, you're wrapping up with the Braves or whatever, and then, you know, the Angels are coming on in the seventh inning of the Braves game. You're like, oh, I want to watch Otani. So you just put a little window for Otani, and you're like, you have that going on on the other. I, or Garrett Cole, who was just absolutely no, insane would, last I, night. I would love to see some kind of comprehensive all-in-one-place streaming package because the other part of MLB's nonsense is that in order to watch their games, now you either need – a cable subscription for your local mm. team plus now you need the peacock subscription plus the apple tv subscription yeah. plus it just makes like the more the more fractured the streaming landscape becomes with the more services that pop up and the more exclusives that each of these streaming services want so that they can you know make their case to to prospective customers just the harder it becomes for these sports leagues to manage all this stuff unless they do have like a, a big broadcast deal with either one of the major four networks um the CBS, ABC, NBC, Fox, or if they already have like a hard locked in like package with ESPN, for example, or like the NBA does with TNT, um, mm. where I, I, I mean, I don't know how streaming with the NBA works. I mean, I know that there's NBA TV, um, and I know that there is well, there's League Pass, there's League Pass, which mm. I know a lot of people complain about that it is not a particularly good service, that it's janky, it's it never keeps you logged in. It always tells you click this to remember your login, and it will never want never to remember your login. That's New York Magazine for me. I don't know why their website's like that, but um, I, I mean, that's that's definitely something to keep an eye on with MLB is like how how now, given that like you said, they have they have put the money into. Uh, building these deals with Apple and with with NBC Universal through Peacock, that you know what what does it look like when they finally decide? Okay, we're now just going to centralize everything again instead, except for we'll put a few marquee games on other streaming packages. I mean, maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's just, I mean, the only marquee game as of right now on terrestrial cable for for baseball fans is the Sunday night game on ESPN. And I would not be surprised eventually ESPN just says, you know what, we don't really care anymore. You know, that's mm. not baseball is clearly not something that they have too huge of an interest in in doing anymore. Um, you know, they have only the Sunday night game. I don't think ESPN even bothers broadcasting any other games every week mm. at this point. Um, yeah, it'll it'll. I'm I'm really interested to see what happens with baseball because that's the other thing. It's like what if ESPN is not interested in your live uh, airing rights. Mm. Um, who's left really you know i mean fox will still have the world series from here until the end of time i think yeah but where it's gonna where be weird else? joe buck not being on that that is gonna be very strange although i'm very i'm really happy for joe davis who's a very very good play-by-play guy and mm. i think we'll do great but yeah i i will be very interested to see how baseball handles its streaming stuff going forward because i mean it's, it's just not a tenable situation right now i mean to, to go back to the original point, it's like I have not watched the Yankees basically at all this year. Despite Which the is not good. Like right people, like you literally cover the sport and there are people that are not watching the best team in baseball. Yeah, by, they're, they're the best team in baseball like, and I cannot watch them unless I go to a bar. Yeah. You know, that, or, or unless I go to an actual physical game, you know, which sure, but like that's sometimes I would like to sit in the comfort of my own home and watch a baseball game. What a crazy idea. Who would have thought that that would be something that people would like? Who would have um, well, speaking of the Yankees, uh, Garrett Cole was masterful Monday night. He had like what twelve Ks, and yeah. he's throwing ninety eight. No up hitter into the eighth. No hitter up into the eighth. He had three walks <laughs> to that point, but um, he was just nasty. Like his four seamer, two seamer are great, um, but he puts the ball where exactly like he had a stretch where I think he had like five of six consecutive batters were Ks, mm. and Tampa they that offense is just. The Rays are in some real trouble right now. And now they have two more injuries. So two more outfielders, Kermeyer and Margot, are gone. Uh, Margot took a nasty uh, shot in the right field wall 
uh, yeah, going I think out for a catch. The Rays, I think the Rays' assumption there is that he's gone through the All Star break. Yeah, that's um, a problem. It's a pretty severe knee sprain. Yeah, which which is a problem. He's a he's a very good defender. He's a very good reserve outfielder who obviously uh, works perfectly within their platooning system mm. as a guy who takes you know as a strong side of a, a not necessarily not like a strict platoon, but as as the a guy that they stock into the, that they slip into the lineup against right-handers. Obviously, have shown a little more power than before. He's a great base stealer. Yeah, that's a that's one of those. He's one of those kind of glue guys to the Rays, where it's mm. like he's just very very important to the stuff they do because they don't really have another guy currently hanging around who can do all that stuff. I mean. Josh they called Lowe, Jeff Lowe back up, or Josh Lowe back up, and he's yeah, and just I, still not hitting. No, and I think that I mean I I always assumed the the idea with Lowe was that he was the he was the uh, eventual Kiermaier replacement. Mm-hmm. Be it if if the Rays were able to trade Kiermaier, or when he walked, I believe his contract is up this off season. Mm-hmm. That he was just the you know the heir to the to the center field role in in Tampa, or maybe they would have you know put him at least into some kind of reserve outfielder role or something, but. Yeah, they're they're down a they're down uh, as the kids say quite bad. Um, mm. No Mike Zanino, no Brandon no Flores, Lau, no Wander, no Wander Franco, or Franco, excuse me. Um, no, uh, no Drew Rasmussen, mm. um, no Andrew Kitteridge, no uh, Pete Fairbanks. Like, yeah, a lot of injuries for that team right now, especially on the offensive side. Yeah, they're they're really really struggling. They are, but you know what's weird is they have had the most one-run games of anyone in baseball, and they brought up a stat on there, and I was looking at it, and then I was sorting through it later, but it is funny how this all works for certain teams where I don't think there is any rhyme or reason behind it, but like the Jays are like fourth in one-run games, and they are 17-8, and eight, and then most teams are like around 500 in those, and I think it's just mo- so most silly. Teams are, most teams are usually around 500 in that stat, yeah. I believe. It doesn't surprise me for the Rays because they have a great pitching staff and a bad offense. They're just yeah. invariably going to end up in a lot of one-run games because they are a low-scoring team that also uh, prevents runs very well, both pitching-wise and defensively. So, Well, McClellan pitched really well last night. He gave up an early home run yeah, to I mean, um, Rizzo, but like he knows how to pitch to Judge, who Judge cannot still do anything with breaking balls. Like That's still yes, the off-speed Jay- stuff is just how you get him, and he was like, ah, that's all I'm throwing you. That's Shane what you're Mc- getting. Well, that's, that, was what, that was Shane McClanahan's plan for yeah. most of that game. I think 85% of his pitches were curveball sliders and yes. change-ups. He threw very few four-seam fastballs, which I'm curious to see. Like Obviously... You know, if you're sh- Shane McClanahan can do that mm. because he is very, very, very good. Yeah, I would be curious to see um, if that's an approach. I get not having not having charted it. If that's an approach, mm. other starters attempt is just staying away from fastballs with this team because they are, like you said. I mean, they're just in a, in a there's just too much power everywhere. Hitting team, yeah. So you know, do you try to just you know get them off their time? I mean, this is by our weighted run values uh, for pitches. Uh, the Yankees rank sixth in the league against fastballs uh, with 22.5 runs. Actually, number or number one in that stat is Atlanta. They're the best fastball-hitting team in baseball, according to hmm. our stats. But the Yankees are also number one against sliders by a very wide margin. And I believe in the top half of the league against curveballs, although eh, basically league average. So, yeah, I mean, I, fastballs and I mean, that's the thing. Fastballs and sliders are what teams throw, and the Yankees just hit the crap out of both of them. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't really know what you do with this team. Ultimately, I, I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe if you have a rotation out there that just throws a bunch of curveballs and changeups and cutters, mm-hmm. I don't know. But, um, I mean, yeah, that's like the Rays. The Rays will be fine overall, if only because they still do have, you know, they still do have McClanahan. They have Shane Baz back now. Uh, Franco should be back. It looks like by the end of the week, that mm-hmm. will obviously be a very, very big boost. Um, the problem for them, and the same problem that exists for the Blue Jays and the Red Sox, is the division is gone. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's no real hope of winning a division. The Rays are 14 games back now. Uh, the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays are in second place, and they're 12 games behind the Yankees. You know, by our, by Fangraphs um, postseason odds, the Yankees now have a 99.9, percent chance of winning the division. Um, that is just actually amazingly not the highest no, not the highest uh, odds in 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 uh, those are not the best division odds in baseball right now. The oh. Astros actually have slightly. Better I was going to say I was wondering. I was gonna at ninety eight point seven because the AL hmm. West is just a disaster. Man, but yeah, I mean that this Yankees team, man. I I, I don't even know. They're they're the best at everything. They're yeah. great defensively. They have probably the best rotation in baseball. 
even without Aroldis Chapman or Jonathan Loisega or Chad Green or Zach Britton, they have probably at least a top five bullpen in baseball. Mm. They have a lineup that has that hits for the most power in baseball. They have the AL MVP, if not favorite, at least co-favorite in Judge, uh, depending mm. on how you feel about, uh, I, I would guess Shohei Otani would probably be the other one. The Jordan Alvarez also probably in that conversation. Mm. Um, they re- they're, they're just very few holes across this team. They are very bound. And the thing is, when you do watch them play, I think you can see in that lineup, like, that lineup does not ever go easy, you know? Well, I think Lots part of it too is they do a good job of balancing the lineup. There's like they'll yeah. have they they have a really good way of. I like their lineup. I like the order. I like the balance. Um, it makes sense. They're just a hard like you can't pitch around one guy because then no. you're just the guy right after him is a better matchup. Like it's just you're you're in trouble. You have to face these guys. You can't walk these guys. You can't that like it's just this is a hard team to get out multiple times through through the order like they're just yeah. they're just really and, good and they're they're so good at spoiling pitches at taking yeah. pitches and making pitchers work at getting starters out of games early they're just a phenomenally constructed baseball team at this point i think that the crazy thing to me though is like this is this is not the same team as last year obviously there have been mm-hmm. some there have been some changes but i think just seeing you know that that team last year i think we spent a lot of the year going what's wrong with this yankees team why aren't they better like this is very much a, a less than the sum of their parts kind of thing mm-hmm and to see the total inverse now where you, I mean, again, we I think all of us looked at this team in the offseason and went, okay, they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like, this should be a contending team. But, like, how good are they really going to be? You know, there there are a lot of question marks. Like, has DJ LeMahieu fallen off a cliff? Has Anthony Rizzo fallen off a cliff? Can they keep Judge healthy? Can they keep Stanton healthy? What's wrong with Glaber Torres? What are they doing on the left side of the infield? Who knows anymore? What's going on at catcher? Do they have enough rotation depth? What about the bullpen? So far, all of those questions have been answered with, oh, actually, they're fine now. Yeah. It's it's really amazing. Like, and again, you could even point like they have not exactly been the beneficiaries of like super huge luck in any capacity. They've lost right. a lot of useful bullpen arms. Uh, the rotation has not been perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Cole struggled the a little bit early. Spot's still been bad. Yeah, like uh, Kiner Falef has been great defensively, but has but really not produced much offensively. Um, Josh Donaldson has been kind of a mess at third base, and obviously has been the center of the worst story of the year for the Yankees so far with his yeah regrettable and incredibly stupid comments toward Tim Anderson. Um, Joey Gallo has been a disaster in terms of what he's done at the plate. Um, Aaron Hicks has looked pretty lost for a good, a good chunk of the season, but you know, despite, I mean, part of that is a testament to if you like, is to having players like judge who are just those 99th percentile guys Mm -hmm. where when they're going well, they make up for two or three holes by themselves. You know, a guy with the amount of money that man's making for himself for next, it's it's for the winner. He's, it is going to be really fun when he hits when he hits the free agent market this offseason and the immediate demands for a contract start at $350 million, which... In a season where no one's hitting, Judge is like, uh, hold my beer. Well, the Yankees, the Yankees uncovered the secret to hitting for power in a season with a wacky ball, which is have two titans who are the strongest men alive bat in the middle of your order. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that if you have two like six foot six guys who are made of pure muscle, that they would mm-hmm. just be still be good at hitting baseballs no matter how wobbly and deformed they were? But yeah, it's it it, it like uh, so much of this I think you know is it's just testament too that like when Judge is healthy, this Yankees team is good. And I and I I haven't looked it up and I really I wish I had, but like I would be curious to know what the record of this team has been with Judge versus without him. Because he really does feel like hmm. the player who... I mean, obviously, he is the most irreplaceable player on this roster, I think, with the exception of Cole. Mm-hmm. Um, at the very least, the most irreplaceable player in that lineup, um, just in terms of everything he does. But, um, yeah, it, it is it is remarkable how quickly Brian Cashman turned around a roster that really looked like it had just kind of run its course. You know, I, I know we'd done a lot of talking in the offseason about, like, how much longer is this window going to be open for this particular roster, and the confusion, too, about, you know, well, if this roster is nearing what might be its end, like, why are they not going harder after Carlos Correa? Why are they not going harder after Matt Olson? Why are they not going harder after, you know, whoever it happens to be? Um, instead, it turns out that really all they needed was just better left side of the infield defense, better defensive catcher, and a healthy Aaron Judge. And also Anthony Rizzo mysteriously coming back to life. That really has been huge. And... Mm. But that's the thing, like every every successful team, a lot of it is is good planning and good preparation and just generally good work. And some of it is just luck. You know, I, I really don't think anyone on the Yankees would have told you coming into the season, like, yeah, Anthony Rizzo is going to be on pace for 40 home runs. 
by by like mid June. That's just not something that anyone expected is going to happen. But he basically is. Yeah, and that's good because hey, Rizzo's done it. Like that, those are the kind of gambles that can pay off. Um, sure, but... and I think that's the thing is like the Yankees made those gambles in the off season of we're not going to go after the big guy. We're going to go after these small dudes who we think have some upside for way less money. And they were right. I mean, the gamble on Freeman's Donald's hit tonight, like two home runs. Like, what is Freeman's? How many is home runs has he hit this year? It's Freddie something. Freeman, like four. Or five. He's not hit yeah. particularly well for the Dodgers, but but I, I guess I, I think what it seems like what the Yankees were banking on more than anything was, hey, the core we have here is still very very good. If they are healthy and productive, it doesn't almost re- it almost doesn't matter what we do on this on the on the outskirts. And in fact, if anything, it's more important just to use that to use that space to just get better and things like. I mean, I, I like. If you want to look at it as the Yankees thought the most important thing with regards to the left side of the infield was defense and offense was just going to be kind of, you know, if it's there, it's gravy, then then you can understand why they didn't necessarily want to sign Correa because, yeah, the defense is great, but what you're paying for there is the fact that he's a 5-6 war uh, player at shortstop, you know, or mm. at least offensively. Like, maybe it was just fixing things around the margins because the core was good enough. You know, I don't know, but it's again, it's just amazing to look at the team last year and how badly they underperformed and how much they struggled in particular, how much it looked like Aaron Boone had just completely lost control of of the team and just looked like a dead duck in every capacity. Now he's in charge of a team that's going to win 100 and probably win 110 games and the the division will be effectively over by mid-August. It is effectively over, but it'll be all officially sewn up by mid-August. Like that's a remarkable turnaround. Even a lot of pressure, though, going into the postseason. Pleasant. The pressure on New York going into the postseason is going to be wild. There is a lot, and I know we were going to talk about it a bit, but in uh, Jay Jaffe's piece for Fangraphs yeah. about the Yankees. Well, we can talk about it now. Yeah, yeah we compares them to the 98 Yankees uh, because they are mm. pretty much on that same 98 Yankees pace in terms of wins. Uh, one of the points you mentioned that I find really interesting is that, you know, if you look back throughout baseball history, teams that are off to this kind of start, you know, the great majority of them make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And the majority of those teams ended up winning the World Series. But if you change that timeline from all of baseball history or the 20th century to just since the wild card era began in 95, a lot of those really good teams don't win the World Series, in part because the postseason is at this point just kind of a toss up. You know, it's yeah. five or seven games to determine whether or not you move on. I think obviously the easiest one to point to there is the 2001 Mariners who won 116 games, but got bounced by the Yankees in that ALCS. Um, we could also look at all those great Dodgers teams from the last decade um, where it took them, you know, they were, all of them looked like world beaters going into the postseason. All of them came out of the postseason without a world series ring until 2020. Um, even look at last year's team too. Another, uh, another very good team. Although one that by the time they uh, ran into the Braves in the NLCS was very clearly on fumes. You know, they're, all they really got to do is avoid the Astros to the ALCS. Pretty and much. they get the Twins, it looks like. Like, they'll get the Twins again. Minnesota! Which will, yeah. <laughs> Those but, poor Twins. It's like, whenever they're back to being good, the Yankees are like, we'll see The Yankees are just right there to yeah. smack them upside the head. They had mm-hmm. five home runs off Garrett Cole in that series that they, they played a few weeks ago and still lost that game. The Twins, it, it is, I, w- I want an oral history and a complete... Uh, yeah, just, I... I I want Ron Gardenhire just to sit down and just admit that he's like, I didn't know what to do. Like we mm-hmm. all, they always just beat our asses. But and it's different players. It's not even like it's the same group. It's like different guys. You just get the Twins. Just when you put on a Twins uniform, just what, for whatever reason, the Yankees just ha- hold something over you. Unrelated, but since I mentioned Ron Gardenhire, yeah. I really hope Gardy is out there somewhere coaching the hell out of a youth league team or something, mm. just teaching like crackerjack fundamentals. <laughs> um, he might be. I don't know. But, like, actually, he's probably just permanently riding a lawnmower. Um, Nothing wrong with that. Nothing, nothing wrong with no, that. I can very, like, I was... Hold on. Uh, have you ever cut grass, John? Yeah, using a push lawnmower. Never a riding okay. lawnmower. So there are yeah. there's some yards growing up in Maryland. Yeah, you of course there yards. are. Okay. But, I mean, I, I know it's... A, I mean, I remember when Tom Verducci wrote his story about Joe Maurer years ago. Uh, yeah. When he won... When he, the year he won the MVP, I believe. Um, they asked Maurer, it's like, what do you what do you like to do? Mm-hmm. Like in your free time, he's like, I, I like I like mowing my lawn. <laughs> he legit just like getting on his riding mower and just mowing his lawn because Dude. baseball players are the most boring human beings on earth. Hold on, hold on. There's no like uh, as someone who just cut his grass a couple <laughs> days ago. There's nothing better when you're in your 30s and you just gaze at uh, your fine yard Christine work. Lawn. Yeah, like okay, that. Do you have Do you have a riding mower though? No, I like pushing it. I like the okay. exercise. I just. I think it's more of like there will come like my my dad for instance so like the farm they got in uh, East Tennessee like that there's just that the amount of time it would take to use a a push mower for that kind of acreage. Yeah, we'd be out there all day. 
exactly like it's just not feasible but if you have a i'll judge people if they have a pretty small smallish yard and you're out here on a riding lawnmower it's yeah, like, you're like your big husk varna with like the 16 like blades on the outside yes. and like the comfy leather cedar it was like yeah you and your yard is mostly driveway and you're yeah, still doing you do that. Need that if you've got the suburban yard with, exactly like, stuff like that so i just think like that's how that's that's the main caveat okay, that's, that's a good that's thing fair. That's and fair. you feel like you do more work. You you appreciate it more when you push through it. And you just uh, you take you show that grass who's boss, John. How how would we have American exceptionalism, but about mowing lawns? <laughs> What's up, Bermuda? What's up, Bermuda? Yeah. But have you ever heard the sound of cracking some St. Augustine grass, man? What is a St. Augustine grass? That's not. It's a really real crunchy. Thing. It's a really how really is grass fun... crunchy. It is grass. No, there's different types of grass. There's uh, there's Bermuda, there's St. Augustine, there's uh, Zoysia, there's um, a lot of different types of grass, man. You were... Turf? You, did you celebrate Father's <laughs> Day? Because you should have. Did you just go to Home Depot and just take in the, the particular smell of, of concrete there? That oh, that man. really, like, that, mm. f- that the way the Home Depot smells, like, wood and concrete. Like, yeah. they, need, they need to make a candle out of that. You know, it, it's great. I, dude, if we had a candle for like some some good turf, like I would love a good like master's grass candle. That would be amazing. Yeah, they, they I, need to make a candle that smells like the grass at Augusta, yes. along with a pimento sandwich. Oh my an god! Open Mitch, an open Michelob Ultra, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna guess Old someone's Spice. sweaty armpit. Yeah, <laughs> or some like overly done cologne or something that like um, who's a who's a golfer who thinks he's who thinks he's a bigger deal than he actually is. Uh, I don't know. Ooh, golf there's a lot of those. I feel like there's a lot. We can go, especially based on uh, this list of the people jumping ship to oh, live. Guys going over to the... To yeah. The, I'm going to uh, say a lot. The the, we can just, league. Yeah, we can pick a lot. Uh, pick a lot there. Um, I don't know. Yeah, the one... yeah, I mean, yeah, Yankees-wise, just... What a team. What a team. What like, a team. It, it, is, it is astonishing to me just how, how quickly that turnaround happened, how, how good it looks, but... Oh, that's I was mentioning the playoff thing. Like that, I mean, that is something worth noting. Is that like being this good in the regular season does not guarantee you anything when it comes to the postseason. And so, of course, you know, when, by the time the postseason rolls around and we start doing playoff previews, we're going to have a totally different conversation about the Yankees. The effect of okay, like you know, how do they stack up for a five or seven game playoff series? You know, what does their top three in their rotation look like? Who are their bullpen guys are going to be able to depend on? And I think that's going to be. Cortez Severino and Garrett Cole is as nasty as it comes. Which is crazy because that means yeah. you're also leaving out Jamison Tyon, who's been a yeah. fantastic starter for them uh, throughout the season. That's a good problem to have. It's a very good problem to have. And I'm, I'm curious, too. Like, again, we got months and months before we get there. But to a certain degree, what else is there to talk about with this Yankees team? They're going to make yeah. the playoffs one regard, like one way or the other. Um, what that bullpen is going to look like for them. Um, particularly, again, with the losses they've suffered with Chad Green now being Yeah, they're going to add season. more there. They're definitely going to add more. I'm I'm curious though, you know, you know how how much are they going to be relying on guys like Michael King or Clark Schmidt? You know, what mm. is what is that? What are the roles and what is the depth chart going to look like for Aaron Boone in the postseason? Because the other part of it is Aaron Boone is someone who we've seen time and again in the postseason, uh, really really struggles with uh, removing pitchers, with managing his bullpens. Just seems to have no real concept of. Um, I mean, they almost got burned leaving Colin too long. Like, that came very close last but night. But that's the thing. That, this is what has kept happening to Boone yeah. in the postseason. Like, he has left starters in too long. He has not been – he has not used his relievers, I think, in what most people would say is the most efficient way. Mm. So I'm really curious to see how that plays out because during the regular season, he doesn't really have to worry about that. Yeah. You know, that that's just not – especially with a team this good, he's never really going to have to have those moments where he's like, oh, I've got to have to, like, panic manage a bullpen or really mm. grind my way through these next however many weeks or what or whatnot. So I'll be really interested to see that is how this particular Yankees roster shakes out postseason wise, and of course the the other part of that is what do they do at the trade deadline? You know, when you're this far ahead of everyone else in the division, when you're basically guaranteed the number one seed in the league, um, you know, what do you what do you decide to do? Like, do you decide to go for the jugular, or do you just spend the time making kind of minor upgrades or or adding like like maybe a bullpen arm or two? I think you have to go for the jugular because I think the Astros are really really good. And I think you want to be as equipped as humanly possible to withstand a seven-game series. Yeah, which, which then raises the question of, well, where exactly do you go? Like, where, where are the upgrades you make on this Yankees team? I mean, I think... Oh, I know. This is a good transition. Give the grandfather offer for O'Neill Cruz, my new favorite Major League Baseball player, because that man 
A is way too big to be playing shortstop. It like, is really funny watching a six foot seven dude play shortstop. Is it, it not insane? No like watching those clips and watching the stuff from yesterday, I just O'Neill Cruz is going to be an amazingly fun player that no one's going to watch for a no, long I mean, period he, of time. He threw, he threw about ninety-seven miles an hour yesterday. Is that not insane? Ninety-seven miles an hour. Like you watch the clip and you're like, okay, like you hear numbers like oh ninety-seven miles. Like every pitcher throws ninety-seven miles yeah. an hour. That's not that fast. And then you watch the clip and you just you see the same thing with Correa. Like it just mm. looks different. Like when mm. he throws, like it just it's really, really something else. Like you can understand too, like why it'd be so easy to pencil Cruz into a corner outfield spot mm-hmm. if the shortstop thing doesn't work. Because my goodness, like he would be uh, Vlad Senior out there with the arm. But he's like yes. an NFL linebacker. You just look at him, and I just it, well, he's, it's he's just got so wild. He's got defensive end height, which is incredible. Yes. Like, but then he's also got the super powerful arm and tons of raw power. It, it's, he's fast. He's very fat. He's a very special player. He's a physical freak. Smiles player. around the base path. <laughs> very, excuse me. He's very, very happy to be there. But yeah, O'Neill Cruz, man, he's going to be a star. Like him, like it's just nice because we finally get another star is born type guy in Pittsburgh. So I'm glad that that is a thing because well, uh, I want uh, good things. Well, what's interesting to me is like for the first time in a while, like you you look at the Pirates and you actually kind they're of they're not awful. Feel, they're not awful. Like. There's still like there's still a lot of bad players on this roster who just should not be here. Like, mm. what is a Bly Madras? <laughs> but like, but uh, if you want to play the, that game, the... you should look at some of these A's players that they're putting. Yeah, into well, the A's are just their own level of depressing. Yeah. But I I think if you're a Pirates fan, there are a few things you can. I mean, yeah, this team is still bad, but certainly like between Cruz, Brian Hayes, um, Brian Reynolds, uh, Mitch Keller has looked a lot better. Ronzi Contreras. You know, they have got some real young guys who are actually doing stuff on top of a farm system that, you know, has already produced Cruz, has Henry Davis on the way up at some point, Leover mm-hmm. Piguero, who got a very short uh, cup of coffee, a very small cup of coffee, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. earlier this week. Travis Swaggerty, another guy who got a cup of coffee, who I assume will be back at some point in the future. Uh, Nick Gonzalez, part of their middle infield of the future, I'm sure. Like, th- there is some real talent starting to bubble up. And I think the other thing is when you look at this Pirates team, like, you look at the ages of the guys who are on this roster, this is not a situation where they just have a bunch of rando, like, old, useless veterans and 30-somethings hanging out. Everyone here, with the exception of Tyler Heineman, who is, for all intents and purposes, a backup catcher, um, and Jose Quintana, who's been both useful and who will almost certainly be moved at the deadline and should bring back at least an interesting prospect or two. All these guys are under 30, you know? And some of these guys like Daniel Vogelbach or Michael Chavis, like you're not really going to count on them to do much of anything going forward. They're they're more just complimentary guys around the edges, you know. But to know that, like, I mean, even a guy like Jack Sawinski, who like he had his three homer game, which was very very cool. Um, that is probably not a guy who's going to be a long term piece of the puzzle in Pittsburgh. But at the mm. same time, he's 24. He's got some power. You know, he bats from the left side. He can he can play all over. He can play all over the outfield. It seems like. They're like there is real actual upside there, you know, that I think there really hasn't been in Pittsburgh in a while. Um, the question now is like one, how long is this going to take to develop? Because I think you're still probably another year or two out from this, from that kind of developing core being good enough to kind of translate into anything. Well, you better keep Brian Reynolds. Like that is something you got to keep the the older guys that are good right now. Yeah, and and I think I mean. Hayes, they've already signed to a long-term deal. Yes, he's not I'm, going I'm curious anywhere. to see what the what this uh, what the strategy is with Reynolds. Mm. Um, Cal Mitchell is another young guy who I forgot to mention who's come up yeah. and done some very good things for them. But uh, JT Brubaker too, another another younger dude who's been uh, very good as well. But now then the question becomes: Okay, let's say you build that core of uh, built around Cruz and Hayes and Reynolds and Contreras and kind of whoever whoever else you scrape up um Piguero eventually Henry Davis eventually Nick Gonzalez eventually now now the question becomes okay when not even necessarily if if this team will actually do the work necessary to add the pieces to a roster to take them from maybe sort of kind of black sheep contender who's got a 500 upside to actual real at the very least wild card contender that can possibly make some noise in the NL Central. I think we're still a couple years away from that, at least, um, which is kind of, I think, kind of unfortunate for the Pirates, if only because, you know, for example, uh, Reynolds is already, I mean, he'll be 20, 
eight, I believe, this offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you're kind of not necessarily running out of time, but, you know, you're you do kind of want to get moving to a certain degree. But they do have well, to it's time to fulfill to the Nate McLeod prophecy here. <laughs> it's time to just go ahead and get that Braves thing in motion. But I was there that, for his first night as a Brave, by the way. That's very special. It was very is special. That, I was good? all in on the. I love Nate McLeod, and I was like all in on that uh, at the time. And I remember we were. At, I remember my seats. I remember that whole whole deal. Uh, the Nate McLeod experience in Atlanta. I was telling folks, I was like, "Dude, we got McLeod. Raise the banner, not raise the Jolly Roger. Raise the banner." You're making all McLeod this up, guy right? Here. You're you're right. Like this is all fake. What you just said. <laughs> No one actually got excited for Nate McLeod. Right? I did, though. Like, I have the Facebook statuses to prove it from my Wayback Machine from, like, 13 years ago. Yeah, I was all in. Look, we all make mistakes. Jordan Schaefer was my one that I definitely whiffed on. The Jordan Schaefer experience, because he hit did a he home run. Did he hit a home run, run on s- opening day? Yes, in Philadelphia, in the blue jerseys, he hit a home run. Jordan I Schaefer. Remember I, was I remember a, I was I a believer. For, that year, I picked him up for my fantasy team right after that, and he didn't do a damn thing afterward. No, it didn't go well after that. No. But did not go well. No, I mean, I, I think when you look at the Pirates, if you, you're now finally starting to feel like, okay, there is possibly, or there is something here. The question, of course, is how long is it going to take to get to that point, and will ownership actually do the right thing when it gets to that point? But again, like between Cruz, Reynolds, Hayes, Contreras, like you're actually seeing what the future in Pittsburgh was supposed to be. It took way longer than it should have, and it was way cheaper than it should have been. But... Yeah, at the very least, people now when you go to a Pirates game, there are things you can actually care about. Yes, that's really cool. Like I O'Neill Cruz should sell year, tickets. There was nothing yeah. to care about. Exactly. Like, um, oh, John, you want to play a quick quick game of is this team? Are, uh, wait, here's how we'll frame it: Are the Roy- or Orioles better than this team? You want to play this game? I mean, the answer is like yes, if we're but only for like five different teams in baseball right now. So Incorrect, John. More runs Incorrect. Really here something. we go. Here I got you. I'm ready. Okay. Orioles. True or false? They are better than the Royals. By record? Yeah. Yeah, we're just doing record right now. Okay. Yeah, the the Royals are terrible. They're the, they're the worst team in baseball right now with the exception of the A's. The Tigers. Worse than the Orioles. The A's. Also worse than the Orioles. The Mariners. <sighs> That's a tough one. They're worse than the Orioles. Wow, the, Seattle really what a what a disappointing year in Seattle. Like I, I know we talk a lot. Like it feels like every year there's at least one. <laughs> what team a disappointing say, year! Like that's just not the just happen where I say like the the leadership needs to go, but mm-hmm. man, it really doesn't feel like the people in like Jerry Depoto really like last year's team overachieved greatly, and it was fun, and I think it it kind of got fans hopes up that okay we overachieved, but there's real talent here, like we can make mm-hmm. something out of this. <sighs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know what faith you put in Mariners' leadership at this point when their biggest success to date was a team that wildly overachieved its peripherals and still didn't make the playoffs in the process. Like That that was supposed to be, if nothing else, a jumping-off point, and instead the team has gotten worse, despite the fact that they are bringing all these great prospects to the majors, despite the fact they have Julio Rodriguez on the roster, despite the fact that you know they went out this offseason and actually made some additions although you know predictably Jesse Winker a left-handed fly ball hitter is not doing particularly well in Seattle um yeah it it's really there really Ooh he's a, someone I would actually be okay with in Atlanta as a flyer guy I would um I mean the, the Mariners signed, not only avoided arbitration with him but also signed him to a two-year deal so I I don't Depoto likes trade sir there's one person you want to call about a deal Jerry Depoto's lines always available true. But yeah, that, this this Mariners team is really, really disappointing. I'm not done, though, John. You ready for some more? more? There's still more. Okay. There's still more. The Marlins. Worse. Are you saying the Marlins are worse or better than the Orioles? Worse. That is correct. Okay. The Nationals. Worse. Definitely worse. The Nationals are absolutely terrible. The Pirates. Ooh, I'm going to say worse. That's correct. Okay. The Cubs. Worse. The Reds. Worse. The Diamondbacks. About the same. About the same. One game difference, and then the Rockies. Worse. Yeah, see? The Orioles are better than... Like, we're almost in July, and the Orioles have a better record than almost a third of baseball, sir. The that Orioles says, are... I think that says more about the third of <laughs> baseball than it does the Orioles. So the Orioles have been surprised. Like, they have a better pitching staff uh, yeah. than I think a lot of people expected, and a better offense than a lot of people expected. There's, neither of them is particularly good, 
but they're yeah. both better than I think we all expected. Cora likes them. I'm, he was saying uh, after their series a couple weekends ago, was like they're coming. Like he's a believer in their pitching, and it makes sense. They've 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 really actually started to develop pitching. They've got Adley Rutschman up now. Uh, I know Grayson Rodriguez is probably done for the year with that lat strain, but he will obviously be there next year. As will DL Hall, hopefully. Uh, Gunnar Henderson has been arguably the best. What a name! Prospect in Double A. Yes, very SEC quarterback mm-hmm. name. <laughs> like four, like three year starter at Arkansas. Like yeah, solid numbers. <laughs> Get him to the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Gun- Gunnar Henderson has been. I think you're gonna you're definitely gonna see Gunnar Henderson top five in pretty much every major uh, midseason prospect list. I mm-hmm. think um, that that feels like a pretty safe bet. But yeah, the the future. As with Pittsburgh, the future is finally starting to look brighter in Baltimore. And again, the question just becomes, okay, now that you've finally started discovering some core pieces, what are you going to do to keep them around and what are you going to do to complement them? Because it's not enough just to have Adley Rutschman and um, and Grayson Rodriguez, or you need more. You know, It's not enough just to have O'Neal, Cruz, and Arancy Contreras. You've got to add talent to that. And it can't just be from the farm system. You've got to go out and get talent from elsewhere too. Yeah. Well, that was fun. I love checking out on the, the Baltimore Orioles. They were like our uh, forgotten team on this podcast that we just can't quit. Um, I think we should end on this. Um, Lorenzo Kane, who is just the most delightful, delightful human. And he gave this like really good post-game scrum uh, to Brewers reporters uh, once he was DFA'd um, mm-hmm. this week by Milwaukee. Um, obviously, it has not gone well uh, this season. And it's just been rough. Like, it's just he doesn't have it anymore. He's in his early 30s. Uh, but Lorenzo Kane, like he was the face of a Royals team that got over the hump, that won a title, that was just so much fun. I think that Orioles, that Royals run was one of the, my favorite Major League Baseball runs of the last decade or so. And yeah. Lorenzo Kane had a really sneaky, solid career. Like that guy, yes, he was a fantastic. He was a great defender, yeah. a very good hitter. This, this for a guy too who is, I know the story's been told a million times, but when he first tried out for a baseball team as youth basically didn't know how to play the sport yeah because he started as like a junior right yeah he showed up like without baseball cleats he had no idea how to hold a bat properly like he didn't know how to field his position and then yet somehow Mm. he turns out a basically 12 year major league baseball career where he wins a world series and for a long long stretch in there was one of the best center fielders in baseball it's Mm -hmm. it's really really impressive and we are really really gonna miss him i i'm gonna miss him he was a fantastic athlete a fantastic player um, you know, I, when I think of him, the first thing that pops to mind, I imagine it's probably the first thing that pops to mind for most people when they think of Lorenzo Cain is mm-hmm. him scoring the, the go ahead run in, uh, it was a game five or game six of that ALCS against Toronto, uh, scoring from first on Eric Hosmer's hit. I never um, mind. I don't remember if it's game five or six. Uh, it was a clinching game of that series. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it was, it was definitely their five or six, but mm-hmm. you know, that, that to me is is just one of the the most fun plays I think you you'll probably ever see in a baseball game. Just watching him go first to home, just at like a bat out of hell, you know, just showing off his incredible speed, his incredible athleticism. Again, just and, and like you said, part of those Royals teams that I think we're I think all of us, with the exception of of Mets and Orioles fans, are gonna look back on with a lot of fondness. That like a team mm. that was really just that really played a particular style of baseball that doesn't really exist anymore um that was very contact oriented that was very you can call it small ball if you want um you know ned yost was a small ball aficionado for sure Mm. but you know definitely a team that that manufactured i think that's the the cliche right they manufactured runs you know and they they every there was always a rally in that team i think my favorite joke to come out of that was i I ran at the during that uh, 2015 World Series, and I think it, they've done it ever since. But I, I don't know when it started. But I remember they had that um, uh, that stand up to cancer thing mm. during game one of those one of those games at City Field. Um, you know where everyone stands up with that sign yeah. that says "I stand" or whoever. Um, and it was Sam Miller, I believe, who tweeted that if baseball really wanted to defeat cancer, they'd give it a two run lead in the eighth inning against this Royals team. Like they never, ever, ever, ever gave up, ever. Mm. You know, you they always had a rally in them somewhere. Um, I'll always I'll always remember that, you know, the way like, I think even just the 20, the 2014 or is it 2014 or 2015 ALDS when they faced Houston and Houston had them down on the ropes, really in that first sign that this Houston team was really going to actually be something again. Mm. And they rallied back and just took it back. And I was like, oh, that's just the Royals. That is just what they do. They will just they you, you can never, ever feel comfortable against them. 
Um, and Lorenzo Cain was a really big part of that, and especially you know defensively what he did in center field and just anchoring that team for so long. Um, I, I agree. I think this is probably the end for him. Um, he hit very, very poorly in Milwaukee's. Probably still can go out and get it defensively, but I don't think there are going to be too many teams um, out there clamoring to sign a, a 36-year-old who you know put up a weighted runs creative plus of 31 mm. for Milwaukee this season. That That's just not really going to get it done and really has not been uh, better than league average hitter pretty much since 2018. Uh, but if this is the end, you know, what a what a career for him, you know, super, super happy he got his World Series ring. And man, what a not just what a career, but just to get to where he got from where he started is really, really something. And yeah, I, I, I will definitely miss Lorenzo Cain, one of the one of the great players and athletes of, of his of his time. Absolutely. John, what can the good folks? We talked about Jay Jaffe's great piece on the Yankees and yes. uh, the uh, the just kind of recalling the 1998 Yankees and why there's a lot of similarities here. But uh, what else can the good folks check out over at Fangraphs.com this week? Uh, we'll have uh, Dan Samborski doing a piece on the most irreplaceable players in baseball this week. I'd imagine Judge, Aaron Judge, will probably come up in that one. Uh, ben Ron Acuna, take a look better at... bank an appearance. I mean, hard to argue against that one, too. Yeah. Uh, we'll have Ben Clemens taking a look at the Rays and what's going on with them in particular, uh, their offensive struggles and the fact that they are now fourth in the division, have slipped out of the wild card conversation. Um, obviously, still going to be a contender throughout the season, but Ben's going to take a deeper look at them. Uh, well, I think be, they have the home field advantage that comes with playing at Tropicana Field. Yes, the ha- their haunted Tupperware of a stadium is a unique The Yankees had way more fans in attendance last night. There was like a <laughs> I mean, day. that's always the case. Tampa is, yeah. is New York South in that regard. Yeah, but it's not the great. The same way that uh, Baltimore used to be Boston South. And to that's true. And probably still is. Um, Eric Long and Hagen will have his weekly prospect notes. Uh, he's looking at some guys based out of Scottsdale in Arizona as he continues to you know give us the good prospect goodness. But yeah, mm. just... All that fun stuff and more coming this week. Keeping our eye on what's going on in the sport. You know, like you said, you had Jay's piece on the Yankees. We have a good piece too already up uh, from the other day by uh, Justin Choi on the hot hitting Alejandro Kirk, uh, yeah. the current the current starting catcher for the AL All Star team based on fan Oof. voting. Alejandro Kirk. I love that every year for All Star voting, one fan base just decides to just get too yeah. stupid about it. And this year it was clearly Blue Jays fans who decided screw it, like Santiago Espinal, All Star Game starter. Um, I think it's yeah. time for Braves fans. Michael Harris, the second All Star starter. Let's go! Is there is there a Brave beyond Acuna who should make the All Star team? And Freed, Kenley Jansen uh, too. Kyle Wright was almost up there for a little bit. Um, hmm. The thing is, I think if Dansby's a- close, but he's not. There's too many good shortstops. Um, Riley hasn't hit enough this year. You know what? I mean, <laughs> Contreras is mean, a DH. See, I can see Swanson making it as a bench bat. Like, That's what I'm saying. Like Swanson's the probably the or closest by the, or by the coaching staff, rather. Or maybe I mean, maybe they throw him in the final vote thing. Yeah. Because I think, I think like it, I I mean the who who is the NL starting? I mean I guess we can we can talk All Star another time, but like we I should mean, do All Star like next week. Yeah, but like, who is the NL starting shortstop for the All Star team? Who would you put? Uh, off the top of my head, yeah. try, I feel like I'm gonna get this wrong because I'm I'm just somehow gonna miss someone. Probably Francisco Lindor. I was gonna say that. I would feels guess he's safe. the leading vote getter. Yeah, I wouldn't hate like, that. I, I I mean I actually haven't looked at. I don't know if they've put out the. Oh, here we go. All-star ballot update. Yeah, here we go. Let's 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 give you your National League All-Stars stuff. Uh-huh. So you got Wilson Contreras, a catcher, with Darno number two. Uh-huh. You got Goldschmidt at first base with Alonzo number two and Matt Olson number four. You got Jazz Chisholm at second with Albies at number two, but obviously he wouldn't be playing yeah. anyway. Albies at two is just he has not had that kind of season. No, I mean and Braves fans are very clearly showing up here. You've got Machado yeah. leading at third base with Arenado and then Austin Riley. And actually, you've got Trey Turner leading at shortstop hmm. with Swanson second ahead of Lindor. That's wild. Yeah. So, and then amazingly designated hitter, Bryce Harper with a million votes, and then <laughs> half as many votes in second place, William Contreras. Yeah. Braves I told you, man. I, I said Contreras is like a sneaky. Marcelo Zuna is top 10 in the outfield voting. <laughs> that's, uh, that's so yeah, Bra- Braves and Blue Jays fans have very clearly just decided that they want this to be a Braves Blue Jays game. Which there you go. 
Thank, thank you very much, Braves and Blue Jays fans, for just deciding that for us. And just, we just have to sit with that. We love early 90s in, uh, just important baseball. Like, the just, Joe we, Carter we, memories we are, are strong. Yeah. John Taylor. We can find you on Twitter, J.A. Taylor. And uh, go subscribe to Fangraphs.com if you have not already done so. It's a great website that has all kinds of great content and pictures now and merch and all kinds of other great stuff over there at Fangraphs.com. Great staff. Great work. Great pods. All across great the, pods. all the great pods. We love our uh, pods, folks. There you go. Who doesn't love pods? If you're yeah. listening to this podcast, you know, you know about the pods. John Taylor, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, y'all. That'll do it for part three and the Wednesday, June twenty second, twenty twenty two edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast on the Blue Wire Pod Network. That's it. Part three in the books as we wrap up here on a Wednesday. Uh, thank you as always for making the Chase Thomas Podcast part of your daily listen wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is. Just make sure you're subscribed so that you get access to all of my content, all free here on the Blue Wire Pod Network. So make sure you're subscribed. And if you like today's episode and like this very podcast and have not already done so, please make sure that you leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If that is indeed your podcast player of choice, check us out, chasemuspodcast.com. Email the program at chasemuspodcast at gmail.com. Of course, check out my sports writing at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. And then, of course, YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. As we continue growing that page, youtube.com slash podcast, Like and subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, new episodes coming for the rest of the week. Oh, yeah. Uh, but that'll do it for today's edition. So look out for that as the week goes on. You all have yourself a great rest of your Wednesday. And I'll talk to you all soon. So, Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.